Welcome, I'm Olivia Haw, and this is Reprint, your in-depth look at stories you need to know from the Temple News' print edition. On today's episode, we will talk to the Temple News' Assistant Opinion Editor Molly Fest, who argues that Temple should be accommodating students during Ramadan. But first, we speak with Temple News' staff writer Oliver Sabo about how Temple University has announced a $30 million federal grant that will be used to improve pedestrian safety on Broad Street and Cecil B. Moore Avenue. Hey, Oliver. Thank you for being back. Of course. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. And yourself? Doing well. Doing well. Been busy, but uh, everything going okay. So, Yeah, good to hear. All right, so let's get to it. Um, why did Temple receive this grant and why does there need to be pedestrian improvements near Temple? Yeah, I mean, so the I think the interesting thing when this was announced by Temple on March 16th is um, it kind of sounded like Temple was receiving the grant, but the city of Philadelphia is actually receiving the grant and Temple will be partnering with the city to um make some of those improvements along along Broad Street. And then the city will be handling the Cecil B. Moore improvements. And yeah, I mean, I think uh, if you go to Temple, everybody can kind of agree that traffic has been an issue in some capacity. Um, one of the organizations that Temple is partnering with, Philadelphia Vision Zero, um, they have a high injury network, which identifies the 12% of um Philadelphia streets that where 80% of the traffic deaths and injuries occur. And of course, Cecil B. Moore and Broad Street are included in that. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, this has been an issue for a while. So Senator Casey locked up this funding for the uh, city of Philadelphia, and I think it'll go a long way. And how much of Cecil B. Moore will be affected by the change? So Cecil B. Moore will be about... um, from 11th Street to 17th Street. Um, And as I said, that'll be carried out by the city um, with some previous planning efforts that they've been working on for the past couple of years. And then the Broad Street project will be about from Cecil B. Moore to Diamond Street. Um, And that's really what Temple will be working on with their landscape master plan. Mm. And do you know what specific improvements they intend to make? Yeah, I mean, there's some like aesthetic ones that uh, just just make the driving experience better. But there's also some very practical ones um, that will improve safety. So they're doing raised crosswalks, new medians, new traffic lights, um, signage that will direct the um, a lot of the cars. So I think there'll be improvements from the driver standpoint, the pedestrian standpoint, and there'll be new bike lanes, which will make it a lot safer for, um, you know, bikers, which city of Philadelphia is a huge bike city. So um, much needed on Broad Street up by Temple. And when should we expect this project to begin and about like how long will it take, if you know? Um, yeah, so Temple said originally that it would start in 2024 and end in 2026. But, um, you know, as I was talking to Kelly Yemen with uh, who's with the Office of Transportation, Infrastructure and Sustainability, um, she says that these types of projects usually take a lot longer. And so does the university. The uh, 
the whole process, you have to find a, um, you know, you, you have to pick a contractor, you have to plan. So there's a lot of steps involved. And Kelly Yemen says this is usually about a five-year process. So, um, yeah, I think we'll we'll start to see construction in 2024, um, but the the original project won't be done until much later. Oh, that is a long time. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know the the university said 2026. Um, I'm not really sure where they got that number because most of the people I talked to said it would. These types of things usually take about five years, but it is. It does seem like a pressing issue. So. Um, yeah, it seems like it should be kind of more of a priority, but the allocation for the grant, these things take time. That's just, you know, kind of how government works. Oh, yeah. And lastly, do you have any takeaways from reporting on this story? Yeah, I mean, um, I think, you know, what I just said, I the, the process of receiving grants, obviously, um, you know, as I said in my story, S- Senator Casey, U.S. Senator Casey um, of Pennsylvania, announced this on January 31st. Um, and like we said, we're not really seeing the the changes for two years at least, probably more like um, it, it could be like seven years till we're seeing this. So the, the way that grants are allocated, and we've seen this throughout the semester with other, um, see the safety grant temples getting, things take a lot longer than, you know, people would kind of hope. But um, yeah, it's it's great that they are receiving these improvements, at least at some point. I know we won't be here, but uh, yeah, it's important. Now we talk with Molly Fest about why she argues that temples should have Ramadan accommodations for dining and prayer spaces. Hey, Molly, thank you for joining me yet again. Thanks and- for having me. <laughs> So let's start off the usual, like, can you give a summary about the piece and kind of talk about like what inspired you to write about it? Yeah, so the story I wrote is uh, Temple University, please accommodate students during Ramadan and essentially just a column in support of Muslim students that, you know, may require accommodations while they're fasting during the Ramadan holiday. So my article is just essentially arguing that Temple needs to do more to accommodate its Islamic students and just to help them, um, you know, through Ramadan, whether that's providing to-go meals in the dining hall or offering additional prayer space or extended hours for prayer spaces, um, you know, things like that. And really what inspired me is I saw so many other universities, including Drexel University, promoting, um, you know, everything that they were doing to accommodate their students during Ramadan, whether that was to-go bags or offering, uh, you know, dates and water in prayer spaces um, before sunrise or after sunset. Um, They were just really doing a lot to make sure their students felt comfortable, um, you know, on campus and everything like that. And I just think that Temple definitely owes owes it to its students to, you know, make sure that those accommodations are being met, especially because we, you know, celebrate diversity on campus and, you know, Temple is a very diverse school. I think that those accommodations need to be met a little bit better um, instead of, you know, just having, you know, regular hours in the interfaith center, you know, just like really extending and making, um, you know, all students of all faiths uh, feel comfortable, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, So can you give like a little rundown like what Ramadan is for those who don't know. Yeah, of course. So it is one of the most sacred months in the Islamic calendar 
And it is also a time of a lot of spiritual reflection. And, you know, during this time, um, there's lots of prayers that are being held. And this also, you know, one of the big parts, which I think a lot of people kind of vaguely understand is um, the like abstination or, you know, just abstaining from drinking and eating from dusk till dawn. So, um, or dawn till dusk. So from March 22nd to April 30th, um, you know, this 2023, um, you know, Muslims around the world are kind of coming together to observe this practice, observe, um, you know, the the month of Ramadan. And essentially, a lot of it um, is that fasting from food and water from, you know, sunrise to sunset. So, you know, there's points in, you know, the morning and the evening that Muslims are breaking their fast. And that uh, those are also kind of a time for spiritual reflection kind of within themselves as well. And ha- so has Temple done anything so far to accommodate these students and or like what else could they be doing? Yeah, so um, Temple met with the president of the Muslim Student Association uh, to kind of, I guess, plan on how they can make uh, to-go bags accessible to Muslim students in the Interfaith Center. So that is something I believe they're still kind of like working out right now. But after I reached out to um, kind of the senior associate of the Dean of Students and just kind of expressed that other universities were providing to-go bags, not only in their prayer spaces, but in their dining halls as well, um, you know, I kind of got a response from him um, kind of stating that this is something that they would look into uh, for maybe the rest of the month or maybe for, um, you know, next year's Ramadan and kind of everything like that. So um, you know, that was something that like I looked into for it. And, you know, they do have the Interfaith Center, which is a really beautiful facility in the uh, student center. It's on the third floor, I believe. And it's just a space for um, anyone of any religious belief to go and, you know, reflect to use as a, a, a private prayer space, you know, things like that. Um, so Temple does have that. And then they're also providing the to-go meals in that Interfaith prayer space. But besides that, there's not a whole lot else that's being done and kind of the suggestions from, um, you know, MSA and everything like that, such as having the to-go bags in the dining hall or, um, you know, extending hours at the Interfaith Center, et cetera, for evening prayer um, after, you know, Muslims break their fast um, in the evening. Just having that extended hours would just be really awesome, um, as well as uh, allowing for more of like gathering spaces in the SAC because there's a room reservation system in place that, you know, you can only book, I believe, two rooms a week if you're a student organization. And, you know, having um, like a a dinner every night, especially during Ramadan, um, as like a time for, you know, everyone in MSA and kind of all, um, you know, practicing Muslim students to kind of get together at the end of the night um, when breaking fast. So just kind of having that space as well, it's just super important. And, you know, I feel like Temple could be doing a little bit more in addition to what's already being done. And that's just essentially what I'm arguing is just to go a little bit above and beyond um, to really make these students feel comfortable. So it was like a very long-winded response. No, that works. <laughs> it, gets, it gets all the points out. You yeah, kind of brought, there you, go. you brought up how other universities are accommodating Muslim students. What are the other universities and like are what are they doing? Like is you they bring yeah. up to go bags? Was there anything else you found? Yeah, so Drexel University allows students with meal plans to pick up um a to-go meal for 
um, you know, when, you know, students are kind of up earlier in the morning before beginning their fast to have that meal for that morning time, because it is obviously before sunrise. So it's very early. So dining halls on campus are usually not open. So Drexel was allowing students with meal plans to pick up a to-go meal the evening prior. And then during sunset dates, water are available um, in a various amount of buildings on campus. And then Drexel also designated five prayer spaces on campus for Ramadan as well. So students are able to kind of like go and use those as they please. And, you know, that's definitely like a very localized um, example, but there are a ton of other um, universities that have also kind of had some accommodations as well. I cannot remember them off the top of my head, but it is a lot, um, a lot of really great schools, whether they're private or public, kind of setting these accommodations. I think one of the schools, I I cannot remember what it is for the life of me, but they're allowing, um, they have like shuttles on campus to uh, shuttle students to, you know, prayer spaces if they don't feel comfortable walking across campus. So they extended like their bus hours. So students are kind of able to, um, you know, practice kind of like later into the night after breaking fast. So if they don't feel comfortable on campus walking around, that bus is allowing them um, to kind of like shuttle them to, you know, a prayer space or, you know, back to their dorm if they've, they're have they on campus late. Um, you know, after faster, like meeting with students, et cetera. So a lot of universities are doing like a ton of really interesting and like super cool things to make their students feel really welcome on campus. How has the construction of the College of Public Health building affected gatherings of Muslim students? Yeah, so I remember last year and I believe it had been something that had been going on kind of before last year as well, but just had like just since the time that I've been at the Temple News, um, I remember it was something that we published last year. Um, the MSA, the Muslim Student Association, was arguing that they should have a prayer space on campus because students were praying and kind of forced to find um, you know spots on campus to to pray during the day, and it just wasn't a proper accommodation there was no privacy students were kind of like left with like determining like where they could go you know some resulted in having to like completely go home to pray during the middle of the day so it was kind of an issue where there was no designated spot um because you know you have the Hillel Center um I believe that's on 15th or in, in North Street um you have like the Hillel Center for which is like the Jewish Center and it's also an interfaith center as well I believe but um just having a designated spot where students could pray was incredibly important and it was something that MSA was really fighting for and last year they were given a temporary prayer space within Paley Library pre-construction but now that they've begun kind of the demolition of the library in preparation for it to become the new College of Public Health they got kind of like moved to the interfaith center, which I believe is now their permanent spot um, as like a prayer space. Uh, Paley was never permanent. It was just like a temporary location for them. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that was something that they uh, kind of changed over once Paley went through demolition was moving that space to the student center in the interfaith center, which is on the third floor. So it's I think it's relatively new. Yeah. I remember I did that story on the podcast last year about oh, that yeah, MSA. Yeah, Look it, was, at it. it was really interesting. I was yeah, like it a, was. I was more of a reader, less of a writer at the time. So yeah. I thought it was like really interesting reading about it. Yeah, it was it was really cool. So I've been yeah. in kind of touch with them about it because 
once that construction started, I, you know, that was one of the first things I thought of is I was like, where are they, where are they relocated to? Cause you know, they definitely deserve the space. Yeah. Um, obviously. So that was definitely really interesting. It's kind of learning more about, um, what has happened, I guess, since they got granted that, uh, temporary space. So that was also like a really mm-hmm. cool element of researching for this article. Okay. And lastly, do you have any takeaways from writing this or any just last thoughts about about your column? Yeah. Um, well, I would say, you know, I grew up in a really diverse, uh, like a very diversely religious area. So I had a lot of friends that um, were growing up Islamic when I was a kid. And I had a lot of them that were fasting during Ramadan when we got to like about the high school age. And one of my friends, I will never forget this, she actually got her black belt in karate, like mixed martial arts. She got her black belt while she was fasting during Ramadan. And I thought it was such an incredible thing to see because the test to get your black belt, it's like four hours long. She wasn't allowed to eat. She wasn't allowed to drink. So, you know, watching her kind of go through that and, you know, how she expressed it to me that it was a very, you know, spiritual and emotional Um, moment for her to kind of get her black belt and, you know, to abstain from water and food while she was going through her testing. I had always kind of just been like in awe of, you know, Ramadan kind of since then, because I think it's such a such a beautiful, um, you know, celebration. And I was really excited to write this article. Like I said, I kind of had been in touch with um, MSA for a while, kind of keeping track on like what was going on with their prayer space and everything. So yeah, I really enjoyed um, this column. I talked to some amazing professors for it, some amazing students for it. And I really feel like I learned a lot and was able to kind of present the article in a really comprehensive and hopefully persuasive way. I hope that next year um, Temple does something with this. But, you know, major shout out to um, Kubra Gaius. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name, but she's the president of the Muslim Student Association and she helped me a lot during this column. So major shout out to her. Um, But yeah, that's kind of, you know, all the major takeaways I had. I really enjoyed doing this one this week. Usually I have like, some super crazy columns that I'm like stressed out about, but I really loved writing this one. <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting. I love to hear the story about your friend. That's a nice yeah, way to end it this. was a really incredible story. And it's something that is like always stuck with me for a really long time. I'm not a very religious person, but I'm definitely a very spiritual person. And so is, you know, my family, that's kind of the way I was raised. And I thought that that was um, a very kind of like spiritual thing that she went through. And I definitely like deeply admire her for that. Cause I think it's, it's such a cool and unique and very beautiful experience. And I love talking about it. <laughs> Thank you so much to our reporters, Oliver and Molly for joining us. You can find the articles in yesterday's print issue of The Temple News and on our online site at temple-news.com. Be sure to check out the podcast on Spotify and The Temple News website. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Olivia Hall, podcast editor for The Temple News, and see you next time on Reprint.